0: The two major sides of learning to do something better is learning what you should do and what are good things to do, but also things to avoid. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about six ways to ruin your lyrics. Obviously not with the intent of you going out and doing these things, but with the intent being six things to generally avoid as they are easy things to do that usually result in a ruined lyric let's talk about it hello friend welcome to another episode of the songwriter theory podcast i am your host joseph videla as always and today we are tackling six ways to ruin your lyrics six things to avoid that can easily make your lyrics either corny or just sort of fail in their job of being actually, uh, something that would move someone. Uh, perhaps, uh, they might have the eye roll effect, if you will, you know, that point in a song where you hear some lyric and you just can't help, but roll your eyes at like, really, come on now. Those obviously are things that we all want to avoid. So the other side, of course, of this, uh, don't do these six things is what to do in order to write some really, really good, solid lyrics that you can be proud of. And for that, I do have a free guide. It's at songwritertheory.com lyric checklist, all one word. That's songwritertheory.com lyric checklist. That gives you six steps to go from idea all the way to a finished lyric, because I think a lot of times people bite off more than they can chew. Uh, a lot of times, uh, songwriters tend to start with sort of a blank page and be like, "Let's write lyrics," uh, which is skipping, you know, five steps, I guess. Right, five of the six steps. Um, it makes it unnecessarily difficult. Uh, this this six step guide is is built for several several things. Really, one thing is that at any given time, doing one of the steps for a song is something that you should be able to do. Like. If you only have 10 minutes worth of time, there are several steps that you can put 10 minutes into that step and actually make real progress rather than you know, traditional songwriting. A lot of times if you're trying to write a lyric, especially sort of from nothing, Uh, You better have an hour straight of uninterrupted time or else you're going to get nothing done. This is optimized to make it so that if you have only 10 minutes, you can work on your song idea sheet for 10 minutes or you can upgrade your verbs or upgrade any other type of word because verbs are probably the best thing to upgrade, but upgrading any word to be more precise, as you know, I, I like talking about precise precision in our lyrics not using sort of vague terms like love, but if, if you can use something that is a little more specific, that is usually a good thing. So anyway, six step lyric writing checklist, you can check it out for free at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. It walks you through the six steps that I go through that are very helpful for me and I'm sure they will be helpful for you as well. Let's talk about how we can ruin our lyrics. Number one, cliches so the reason we want to avoid cliches well one of the reasons is the eye roll and tune out effect because i don't know about you but when i hear certain tropes and cliches the whole song is undermined i roll my eyes and i tune out because the whole thing is just dumb to me now like i I just I, i can't do it anymore and some cliches are are worse than others, right? Um, but some examples are uh, the world ending, right? If if I hear one more song that talks about like, uh, you know, something youthful, right? And 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 we're gonna like dance like the world's ending or blah blah blah. Like, stop. Come up with something else, right? Like, the, it's not ending. Stop it. Like, I get it. I get what you're going for, but it's it's too much. I there's like five million songs that say that. Or uh, tonight, this, this is sort of a low-level cliche, but just arbitrarily making it that like this important event, this great thing, this life-altering decision is tonight, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not next week, not some Tuesday in the future, it's tonight. Why, why is it tonight? Who the heck knows? It's just tonight something important about tonight. Oh, tonight's always important. You know, other things are stuff like saying, you know, I'm on my knees, right? Like, okay. Yep. I've heard that before. Or comparing love to a drug. How tired is that now? You've got to be kidding me, right? Like, I get it. Love is like some sort of drug or alcohol or a cigarette or so. which I guess cigarette would be sort of actually all those things are kind of a drug, but... Like, we get it, right? It's been said a million times. You're not saying anything new. It's tired. It's kind of lazy. So don't do it, right? And another thing, a personal huge pet peeve of mine is pop culture references. Now, obviously, like any other tips I give, you can, you know, if something works for you, use it. And if you don't agree with me on it, then, you know, ignore me. That's fine, right? But pop culture references is the best way to make your song not timeless, not even remotely timeless, right? Because three years later, after your pop culture reference to something, it might be totally irrelevant and nobody even knows what it means anymore, except for like the people that were teenagers at the time, right? Like, and then if you think like true timelessness, right? So... You know, Take, take any of the, the great literature, if you will, or, or the great classical pieces, right? Those things tend, or great hymns would be another example, those things tend to have timeless elements to them so that today the lyrics make just as much sense or at least 98% as much sense as they did 500 years ago when they were written or more, right? because of timeless concepts in 30 years when somebody listens to uh, you know uh, party in the USA or something b- people are gonna be like a Jay-Z song is on like who who the heck is uh, Jay-Z what Brittany who's Brittany what Brittany right to us even today because unfortunately pop culture is still so there. We we probably still know what that means, right? People a hundred years from now are not going to know what that means. They're not. Because those two artists are just blips on the radar that are, like, like really? Are they going to be timeless all-time artists? I don't think so. And, you know, as far as pop goes, I'm not usually one to throw shade at Britney, but not exactly the most timeless stuff. And then when you have pop culture references to things like that, or worse, right? Sometimes... There will be pop culture references to things that really have a shelf life of, like, a year. And then people forget about those things. That's even worse, right? You're, now the t- the, Not only is your song not even close to timeless, now it's got, like, a shelf life of, like, three months. And then it seems outdated and weird. Also, it's just ch- cheap, right? Like, why, why, how is it made better to reference something in pop culture like when has that ever made a song better or more clear my answer to that's never maybe you disagree that's fine so cliches great way to absolutely kill your lyric number two double down on a losing symbol so what do i mean by this um i notice this a lot in pop music um and today's episode might sound like picking on pop music, but the reality is when it comes to songs that I can't help but hear that have embarrassingly bad lyrics, um pop is just <laughs> it's usually going to be pop. Um so not intentional, but here goes. So I do notice a lot of times in pop that there's almost like they'll come up with some really uh either just bad symbol that doesn't really work or a symbol that's just not nearly as brilliant as they think it is. And the same is true of a lyric. There are so many times in a pop song where I can just tell that they're like, ooh, this is smart, so I'm gonna repeat the crap out of it. And it's not even smart, right? It's like, it's just like, really? That's the best part of your lyric that you're proud of that you're gonna repeat over and over and over again? You think that's a really interesting uh, symbol that you've attached yourself to that the whole song should revolve around and at least for me one of the things I think of when I think of this because this this song is just so ridiculous um, is Dark Horse by Katy Perry so first let's assume that, we're, that she's singing it from Katy Perry's perspective and yes I know I am a songwriter right not all songs we write are from the perspective of the actual person who wrote the song I know that But even in the first line of the song, she undermines the idea of being a dark horse. The very first lines are, I knew you were, you were going to come to me. Well, I'm sorry. I knew you were, you were gonna come to me. Whatever. Okay, literally in the first line, she's established that I knew you were going to come over to me. Right, you're going to come over to me to dance with me or whatever, You know, whatever the thing is. And then the whole song centers around this idea that she's coming at this person like a dark horse. And you may or may not be familiar with what a dark horse is, but if you're a sports fan, you probably know. Right, a dark horse is basically an underdog. Right, not exactly the same, but the idea of a dark horse, right? Uh, you know so-and-so is a dark horse to make the Super Bowl, right? The idea is everybody right now, and it's okay if you don't know what I'm talking about, if I go too far down NFL land, but, you know, everybody right now is like, oh, the Chiefs and the Bucks will meet again in the Super Bowl, and a couple of people are like, oh, no, I think the Packers will go to the Super Bowl instead of the Bucks this time, or a couple of people are like, the Bills will go to the Super Bowl instead of the Chiefs this time, right? But then somebody comes in, and says, you know who's a dark horse to make the Super Bowl? The Rams, right? Which, they're not really a dark horse either. A lot of people are picking them, so maybe not. I'll take my Broncos. Like, right? Because some people are kind of on the train of like, I think they can make the playoffs, and they have a really good defense. You know, they can make some noise in the playoffs. So, that would be an example. If I were to pick the Broncos to go to the Super Bowl, that would be a dark horse. Because most people are not picking that. Katy Perry has been a dark horse in exactly 0% of the rooms she has ever walked into, right? The idea that Katy Perry has ever been a dark horse, right? Like, really? You're Katy Perry? And not to go too deep into this, but, like, I think we all can agree in the generally attractive versus generally not. She is deeply in the generally attractive category, Right. She has never walked into a room and been, like, the ugly duckling of the room or whatever, right? Like, that's never happened to Katy Perry. So the very concept that Katy Perry could be a dark horse is positively ridiculous. It makes no sense. That's like calling the Patriots of the last 20 years the dark horse to make the Super Bowl. Like, that would be the dumbest thing to say ever. Half of everybody picked them to make the Super Bowl every single year. They're not a dark horse. Katy Perry is not a dark horse. And again, if you're saying to me, Joseph, come on, come on, maybe it's not her. The very first lines of the song undermine the very concept of a dark horse. I knew you were, you were going to come to me. That's like saying, I knew you were, you were going to make the Super Bowl. And then saying, it's a dark horse pick. No, if you knew, if you, if you just knew, if you had reason to be confident that of course that would happen then they're not really a dark horse, then. Anyway, moral of the story. I think it's a good thing to pick a symbol, stick with it, uh, you know, to, to pick an, a new way to say something, which a dark horse isn't a new concept, but I'll at least give her that. I'm not sure I had heard dark horse being used in the context of a song before. Um, but the whole song just feels pathetic. Um. Because it feels like, you know, whoever was in the writing room, whatever 10 producers wrote this song with Katy Perry, they all thought, oh, yeah, this is brilliant. This is this is so clever. But, like, it's just ridiculous. It's silly. But they think it's brilliant. And there's nothing worse, right, than whether it's a movie or book or anything that, like, is so sort of pretentious or like you can tell they're just like proud of how smart something they came up with was you can almost see the pride of the creators behind it but then it's actually like really not smart at all that is the worst the absolute worst so anyway don't double down on a losing symbol really try to be honest with yourself about whether the symbol works whether the symbol uh is as good as you think it is And, you know, maybe don't revolve a whole song around a symbol that makes no sense at all, like Katy Perry's Dark Horse. Which I don't expect any of you to do, because probably everybody listening to this is a better songwriter than the people who came up with Dark Horse. Lyrically. I'll say lyrically, because some people get upset about, like, they're professionals! As if that means anything at all. Uh, In theory it does. In theory it does. But... I think they all know that the lyrics don't matter, uh, as evidenced by the fact that WAP is a thing, right? Like, at some some point, we have to all admit that all those so-called professional songwriters just know the truth, which is that for pop music audiences, the lyrics do not matter. (laughs) That's it. As long as it has a catchy beat and a melody that's interesting enough, the rest doesn't matter for the pop audience, unfortunately, generally. Obviously, not everybody, but... Number three, clear hyperbolic lyrics. Here's the thing, dearest Bruno Mars. Exactly zero people believe that you would actually catch a grenade for anyone. In fact, I can't even imagine you 500 feet from a grenade. Nor do I believe that he would take a bullet straight through his brain. So, songs like Grenade... Uh, they work on a very small subset of the population, which is like, uh, you know, teenagers, basically. Teenagers buy that kind of crap because they're over Um, But for the rest of us, uh, and even when I was a teenager for that matter, I remember thinking, really? This is, I mean, it's so overdone that it's obviously a, a load of crap, right? Like, it, there's a line somewhere. Of, like, slight hyperbole to make a point, fine. But then there's a level of hyperbole that's like, okay, now you're just clearly lying. Nobody believes this. Nobody is so ignorant of the real world around them to believe. That Bruno Mars is so in love that he would catch a grenade for you, now, ignoring ignoring all the the fact that like all of literally like all the lines are like really overdramatic and like how what is what is the scenario where this is ever going to happen to you? Ignoring all that, ignoring that it's a song clearly meant to you know in the same way that boy band songs are built, right? They're just built to be generic and make. Uh, you know, the opposite gender of whoever's singing the song, be like, oh, it's so sweet, right? Like, it's, it's all it is. Ignoring all that, there's a line, and you have to determine this for yourself, right? Just as I have to for myself. um, That some hyperbole to make a point or to uh, add gravitas to something is good. Um For example... I wrote a song that was meant to be from my friend's perspective when someone broke up with him. And um, the reality is that they had dated for probably only like six months. Um, But at some point in the bridge, there's there's a section that talks about, you know, this idea that I've been there for you for all these and I could have been accurate and said all these months But that sounds pathetic, right? I've been here for you all these months, right? Now it sounds like a teenage song, which, you know, to be clear, we were both teenagers at the time that I wrote this song and at the time that this happened. Um, But even then, I recognized uh, that, like, all these months sounds positively ridiculous, right? It's like when people have, you know, three-month anniversaries. It's like, really? Like, that's, really? (laughs) Like, come on now. Uh, First of all, do do you not know what anniversary means? Like by by definition, it's a year thing. But anyway, not important. So uh, even that, so I changed it to all these years, right? Was it literally accurate to the story? No. Does that matter? Also, no, right? It's a song. So to take some creative liberties, use hyperbole in small ways, right? To to sort of add gravitas to a song that makes it a little more, feel like there's more at stake, is a good thing. Uh, depending, you know, maybe your story doesn't need that. But there's a certain line where, again, you get the eye roll effect, right? I can't listen to Bruno Mars's grenade without massive eye rolls. It's so... Ridiculous. It's just, like, I, I just don't have another word for it. It's silly, it's ridiculous. It's like, like, it, it almost feels like this is a joke, right? Is this a parody of something? Is this like, like, this must be a joke, right? Because no, nobody possibly believes anything close to what he's saying here. It's so overdramatic and kind of pathetic. Um, so don't go that far, right? And again, you and I might have different lines on where that is, and that's totally fine. But just keep in mind, right, that there is a point at which things become just kind of sad, right, and just kind of ridiculous. It's kind of like, you know, if you have a friend that's broken up with, there, there's a certain amount of time that is just like, oh, wow, they they really loved that person, right? They're really deeply hurt by this. But then there comes a point where if there's still a certain level of hung up about the person, it just becomes pathetic, right? Right. And we all—and, and I, you know, maybe me saying that out loud is unpopular, but we all know this to be true, right? You know, and, and we all have different lines for that, too, right? But, you know, I—so, you know, I may or may not have a friend that, at this point, it's like you got broken up with, I don't know, six, seven years ago or something. And he still kind of goes on about it in a way that it just feels sad now, right? It's, it's not— it, I'm sure three, four years ago, it would have come across as like, wow, he really deeply cared. But now it's just sad, right? Like, dude, that is an incredible amount of time, an incredible amount of time. You have to be able to move on enough to, you know, date other people by now, right? You shouldn't be still making sad comments about it, right? We've all had a, 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 you know, terrible breakup that really tore us apart. Usually, guys have like a, a first love that they lost that is is you know hits them deeply. Yes, okay, I get that, but there's a difference between being heavily heartbroken by something and never being, uh, you know, a hundred percent at peace with it, and not be, being so not at peace with it that you can't move on. Right? There's there's a line there, and at some point, it just becomes sad. So. It's the same type idea with hyperbolic lyrics. Um, don't, don't go past that sad line, which as songwriters is easy to do, right? So no judgment. If you have, uh, unless your name is Bruno Mars, then heavy judgment. Thrown in lyrics and empty words. Number four, don't throw in nonsensical or awkward words just to fit into the lyric. And yes, it is important that when you have a melody and you have lyrics, they need to pair well, right? You can't just throw syllables out the window. It needs to actually work, right? So what I'm not saying is to be like, screw the melody, screw the symbol, like the, the amount of um, the amount of syllables that you need, throw that out the window. Don't add any extra words. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you add the extra words, make sure, be willing to move the line around and the words that you do end up adding, if you end up adding words at all, uh, you know, maybe just rearranging the words uh, will change the tense of some of the verbs or something that, that you know, now it's three syllables instead of two for the word. Yeah, There's a bunch of different things that you should try, but what you want to not do is get to the point where you're throwing in just ridiculous words that anyone from the outside looking into that song knows you just had to have a word to fit certain syllables, but you didn't really want to say that word. And a part of the illusion of writing in general is that the whole thing sort of centers around this idea that people people know that what you write is, is is something created, right? So you can see this in in books or movies, right? So people, when watching a show, or you know, when watching Star Wars, or when watching Cobra Kai, or when watching whatever, understand that a human being wrote these characters. They're not real, right? Luke Skywalker is not quote unquote a real person, right? nor is Darth Vader, nor is Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai or Miguel Diaz, right? These are not real people or Hawk, who is awesome. Um, actually, all the, Cobra, all the characters I just listed were awesome. If you haven't seen Cobra Kai, watch it. It's so good. Anyway, but um, there's sort of this tension of everybody knows that somebody wrote these characters and they're not real but we all demand as we should by the way that they have the appearance of being real in the sense that we shouldn't see the hand of the writer right this is what people complain about when characters act outside of what the character would normally do right it's sort of the you know the the horror movie trope of an otherwise intelligent character out of nowhere, decides to make unintelligent decisions and you can tell that the writer made them randomly unintelligent for five minutes just to make the plot happen. Which is not how writing should work. Right? So, the whole illusion of writing, which is important, is this idea of we all acknowledge somebody wrote this but we shouldn't see the hand of the writer. Right? Because the character should stay like the character, the character, the universe, the way the world works, it all should feel like it could be real. It's that idea of Canon, right? Which is you know a part of why a lot of us Star Wars fans freaked out about episode eight because what we knew of Luke Skywalker as a character, it completely changed in episode eight with not really any good explanation. Which shows the hand of the writer. You can tell that Ryan Johnson just decided to do things because it's the story he wanted to tell instead of asking, what would Luke Skywalker do? Which is the important question, right? What would Leia do? What would Han do? These are the important questions. It is not, it should not be, here's the story that needs to happen. Let me shove Luke Skywalker into it. That's not how it works because then we all see that it's a bunch of, it just doesn't even make sense. So anyway, in the same way, right, a lyric should feel sort of uh, effortless might be the wrong word, uh, but it, it, in a way it should, right? We shouldn't see the like, oh, I, I see the, the writer specifically did this or threw this word in so that, you know, this line would work. We shouldn't see that. The line should feel like, yeah, this is just the right line. This feels right. This It says exactly what it wants to say. An example of this is, well, I could pull out pretty much any Train song, I think. But today we're going to throw shade at Hey Soul Sister, which is an awful, awful, terrible song. And I'm sorry if you like this song. I know everybody, what, 10 years ago, whenever it came out, uh, loved this song, except for me. So I'm sorry for crapping a song you you may or may not like. But here's an example of a line. I'm so obsessed. My heart is bound to beat right out of my untrimmed chest. Untrimmed chest. Really? First of all, that is irrelevant to anything, right? Exactly zero people were wondering. When you say that your heart is about to beat right out of your chest, I was kind of wondering how the manscaping of your chest has been going, which... Now that I think about manscaping, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. You know what I'm saying. No, no, Nobody's wondering that. Now, allow me to speak for all of the people. Nobody wondered that. In fact, I, it's so ridiculous, right? Like you can just tell that he needed two extra syllables to make it work. And he's like, oh, you, untrimmed, I guess. Which, by the way... Like, for all we know, he has a trimmed chest, right? And he's just like, well, I need the extra syllable, so untrimmed. It's completely ridiculous. It has nothing to do with anything. It adds nothing to anything whatsoever. And it's just kind of awkward and gross, really. Like, because I didn't even, like, when when you hear the line, I'm so obsessed, my heart is bound to beat right out of my chest, right? I took that one word out. It's, it's a symbolic idea that shouldn't really even make you visualize, like, okay, what, like, in fact, normally, I think when I visualize it, I, I picture the person with a shirt on, right? And, and I don't picture anything literal about, really, like, your heart's literally going to beat out of your chest. But then once you add untrimmed to it, it's just a weird, like, uh, what, so literally then? Why untrimmed? How is that relevant? Uh, Personally, I pictured you with a shirt on, but now I guess you're shirtless and have a hairy chest. Good for you. Like, just why? Why? So don't throw in empty, nonsensical, ridiculous words like that, because. I I mean, that line alone would be enough for me to not take that song seriously at all. Um, But the whole song is absolutely filled with nonsensical lyrics like that. So it's just which is why I hate it so passionately. It's so ridiculous. Anyway, don't throw in random, empty words or lyrics. Be intentional. Intentionality is something that's very, very important. And look, none of us are ever going to be perfect about this, right? So it's just important for us to all keep in mind, uh, you know, some of the traps that we can fall into here. <clears throat> so thrown in lyrics or empty words, untrimmed. Nobody gives a rip about your untrimmed chest, sir. Number five. Awkward rhymes. We're going to pick on the same song. Uh, Hey Soul Sister again. Has a line that goes, Your lipstick stains on the front lobe of my left side brains. Okay. So first of all, this commits the sin of the last thing we talked about, thrown in lyrics and empty words, right? Your lipstick stains, that's fair enough, right? It's basically saying where you kissed me, right? Fair enough. That's fine. On the front lobe of my left side brains. First of all, what he's saying is my head, right? That's, That's it. And then front lobe, I, I, I guess to make clear it's not the back of the head because, as we all know, it is super common practice for people to kiss people on the back of their head as opposed like like, what? Doesn't, doesn't need to be said, but okay. So front lobe of my left side brains. Uh, first of all, again, I don't think anybody gives a rip about what side of your forehead is being kissed. Irrelevant, nobody cares, nobody's even picturing that specific. But then brains, that's what we're really picking on here. Brains, really? So you said lipstick stains, and you said, yeah, I have to rhyme with that. To the point that you are actually, what you're really saying is that you kissed me on my left forehead, which is fair enough. Even left forehead is oddly specific, right? In a song like why the left like why is left relevant? It just feels thrown in and ridiculous. But we go even farther here cuz it's on the front lobe okay, of my left side brains. Not even your forehead. We all know you mean the forehead, right? Your brain hasn't popped out. She didn't actually kiss your brain. You just had to rhyme. So you completely changed the line to something, again, positively ridiculous. Your lipstick stains on the front lobe of my left side brains. Like, that sounds like it's out of a Weird Al song intended to be funny. Not serious. Also in that song, the way you can cut a rug. Watching you is the only drug I need. So gangsta, I'm so thug, you're the only one I'm dreaming of. So they rhymed rug, drug, and thug, which first of all, if you've ever listened to any train song ever, they are perhaps the least thug band of the last 30 years. Ignoring that, the idea of so gangsta, I'm so thug, which is could could be its own category here, honestly. The whole like acting really tough when like, v- v- like it just it's just sounds weird and try hard. Um but the way you can cut a rug, completely irrelevant. Who like none of the rest of the song has any like cut a rug? What what does that even mean? Who cuts rugs? like does she work at a hardware store like what what is the story here what does that have to do with anything the answer is nothing they just needed to rhyme with i believe drug is the first word here that is important to which by the way really drug that that's the word that you're so desperate to rhyme with that you come up with rug and thug really really like, did you throw this together in, like, three minutes based off of a search on RhymeZone? Because it kind of seems like you did. Anyway, those are all what I would call awkward rhymes. Nobody buys that that naturally happened. The lyrics don't even make – again, the way you can cut a rug, watching you is the only drug I need. So gangsta, I'm so thug, you're the only one I'm dreaming. Okay, so in one or two – lines, however many lines you would consider this to be, you could call it four or two – uh reasonably i think we go from the person he loves apparently um the way she can cut a rug is great just great rug cutter watching her cut a rug is the only drug that he needs and also he's so gangster he's so thug In fact, he's so gangsta and so thug that she's the only drug that he needs and she's the only one he's dreaming of because notoriously having only one person that you're dreaming of is super thug. Now, I don't know what is thug in that category. The answer is nothing, right? Thug in this has nothing to do with anything. Positively ridiculous. So don't do awkward rhymes. In fact, this kind of goes back to, I think, the third episode ever of this podcast, um, which is that uh, never force a rhyme, right? Rhyming is good, it can be helpful, but don't compromise the lyric just to get a rhyme. And the lines I just said are the epitome of what I'm talking about there. The epitome. The lyrics become positively ridiculous and nonsensical. I go so far as to say embarrassing. Just to get a rhyme. When really the heart of what's trying to be said here, at least in the first line, is normal, right? Your lipstick stains on the front lobe of your lip. La- Basically, you know, your your lipstick stains on my forehead, right? That's That's normal enough. That's like fine, whatever. And then it becomes just weird with on the front lobe of my left side brains. All right, the last one. Uh, This is another one that, again, is so common in pop. Um, And it's what I call the I'm an adult or I'm tough swears. Now, to be clear, I am not saying that swearing in music is bad or wrong. That's up to you. I personally choose, like in this podcast, to not. I personally think that usually when using any form of curse word, uh, another word would be as good or better and more precise usually. And in cases where it's not, I tend to think, um, I sort of see it as a challenge, right? It's like being a clean comedian as Jerry Seinfeld has proved. And in my opinion, Brian Regan as well, who at least peak Brian Regan is incredible, um, You know, it it can be proven that, you know, sometimes vulgarity can just be a crutch. Um, And if you can be hilarious without it, to me, that's just uh, next level impressive. So that's kind of the way I I personally see swears, um, but I have no problem with it, right? It's just my own personal choice. What I think there is a problem with and what comes across as just weird and kind of lame and pathetic is the specifically I'm adult and I'm tough swears, which what I mean by that is if you think of your average pop star, right? Straight out of Disney, right? Maybe two years out of the Disney clutches. And uh, the way they dress is starting to change. And then comes the first time that they have a swear in a song as their way of saying, I'm an adult now. Take me seriously. Because I dropped an F bomb. And it just comes across as weird, awkward, out of place, and kind of pathetic. Like, for example, Driver's License, where this whole song is super teenager y. Really, like I, I, the whole thing centers around I finally got my driver's license, right? So it screams I'm 16 years old. And the whole song is sort of over dramatic, teenage, whatever. Which she is, you know, she is like 18. So I give her a pass on that, right? I'm, I'm not criticizing that, per se. But then the bridge comes, or I believe it's the bridge. and And it goes, red lights, stop signs. I still see your face in the white cars, front yards. I can't drive past the places we used to go because I still freaking, we'll call it, love you, babe and it just comes across as out of place and awkward and too tryhardy it's it's like are you trying to convince me that you're cool or you're an adult or to go back to train your thug or something like what what is what is what are you trying to prove by this cuz it it just doesn't fit it feels thrown in forced like you just wanted the parental advisory label cuz you think it makes you more legit or or because uh she knows correctly, that there are idiot magazine, newspaper, you know, online, obviously, websites that are going to be like, look, she's grown up, blah, 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 and will, like, have resoundingly high reviews, basically just because, like, oh, wow, she swore, like, oh, it must be a good song, it has deep meaning, like, no, no, it doesn't, she just threw in a swear that adds nothing to anything, and comes across as kind of cheap and pathetic. In my opinion, regardless of your opinion on that song specifically, or her dropping an F-bomb in that song sort of out of nowhere, uh, a lot of pop songs do this sort of thing where like it kind of just doesn't, you know, in a a really angry rap song. Right. And an F-bomb is dropped. It's kind of like, yeah, that that seems about right. Right. And then there's like some some overly, you know, mushy love song that's poppy and whatever, and then they just throw in a random swear that doesn't make any sense. Another word would have made more sense, and it just feels thrown in. Don't do that, right? If, you know, and and again, I'm not, it's up to you, obviously, how you feel swearing does or does not fit into your music. That's up to you. Well, all of this is up to you, obviously. But at least be cognizant of like, it doesn't make you tough. It doesn't, like, like don't, don't do it for the wrong reasons, right? And it sort of centers around another theme that I talk about a lot, which is at the end of the day, you gotta put the song first. And putting the song first is not throwing in lyrics that just make you seem cooler or tougher or Anything else, right? And if you care about the song first and foremost, most of the time, you know, an F-bomb or some other thing, another word will work better. Most of the time, there's a much more precise word than curses, which tend to be very generic, right? It's like how, you know, an F-bomb can be used as every type of word. The, re- the reason for that is at this point, it's so generic and kind of meaningless. It just generally means, right? Like, I'm, I'm angry, therefore I'm saying this word. That's kind, of, it, kind of how it's evolved to right? And not all s- words like that are the exact same, but it they tend to all sort of become something that you can have 500 of them per sentence, which kind of has rendered them really very meaningless. Just like the word the is, uh, you know, a million times per sentence, and a ah is a million times per sentence. It just sort of, Erodes the meaning of them. So just be cognizant of, you know, what you're adding to the song when you add that. Is it really adding to the song? Is it necessary? Or does it actually end up detracting from the song? So I know this was a longer episode, had a lot to cover, went on a few rants, which I know some of you like, although some people think, like, oh, he's so angry. Like, no, 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 this is just the way this just the way I talk sometimes. I'm passionate about stuff. So um, anyway, if you do like the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star review, preferably on iTunes. Thank you to all of you who have done that. Uh, I notice every it feels like every week there's at least one more, which is awesome. Thank you very much for doing that. Um, Yeah. Did I say iTunes again? Apple Podcasts. One last time, let's go through the things to avoid. Six ways to ruin your lyrics. One, cliches. 2. doubling down on a losing symbol or a not very good symbol or a symbol that's just, you know, okay. But then centering your whole s- song around it. Number 3, clear hyperbolic lyrics. Going too far into the hyperbole like grenade. When nobody believes you catch a grenade for for that other person or take a bullet straight through the brain. It's just it's kind of overstated. Number four, thrown in lyrics, empty words. Make sure you're intentional about every word that is there. Don't don't just throw in words, especially oddly precise words that don't that, which may sound like is a contradiction. Precision is good, but precision is good when it's intentional and has meaning. When you're being precise about, it's an untrimmed chest where it's irrelevant to everything else. It's not good anymore. It's just weird, um, in my opinion. So throwing in lyrics, empty words, number five, awkward rhymes, number six, uh, you know, throwing in any type of language, uh, but specifically what, whatever you want to call them, curses, swear words, whatever, um, throwing those in without, you know, without really thinking through is this adding to the song? Is it actually necessary? Uh, or is it really just detracting from the song? And wh- why am I putting this in here? right? Do I have a good reason really to put this in here? Thinking through those things, I think are really important and will help. Uh, if, if you avoid these things, you will uh, avoid ruining lyrics, which I know for me, it's very depressing whenever I, I write a song and I feel like I've ruined a lyric with something. So hopefully it's helpful for you as well. And again, if you want to dive deeper with me on lyrics, be sure to grab my six-step lyric checklist. It's at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. It will walk you through those six steps that I go through to go from a song idea all the way to a finished song lyric that I can be proud of that uh, or and that you can be proud of if you go through it, um, that uh, meets the, um, the the frame test, if you will, which is the idea of... Um, you know, a lot of lyrics, if they were just framed on the wall and didn't have the music and the melody and the arrangement as a crutch would be kind of not great, right? Like, for example, many of you in this episode might have thought to yourselves, hey, I like Dark Horse or Hey Soul Sister or something, Uh, because, you know, before you kind of liked the vibe and you just sang along and didn't really think about it. But maybe, maybe now you think, oh, wow, I don't, I think I ever realized how weird and pathetic and just not very good the Hey Soul Sister lyrics are. Um, I'm being so harsh today on Train. (laughs) But anyway, you know, maybe you realize, oof, that is is pretty cringy uh, from Train. I never realized that before. But you would realize that if you just read the lyrics, right, without the context of the music to distract you. Right. If you put the lyrics up in a frame on a wall, people would be like, really, what is this? Some terrible poem. Right. Uh, And I I like to run my lyrics through what I call the frame test, which is the idea that if they're framed on the wall, are the lyrics good enough to stand on their own as poetry without needing the crutch of music? Because ideally, the music is so good, it doesn't necessarily need the lyrics and the lyrics are so good, it doesn't need the music. But when you bring them together, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, because, uh, you know, It's everything is good. There's nothing covering up weaknesses. Uh, Or at least that's a good thing to shoot for, right? So anyway, that's what the six-step lyric writing checklist is all about. Again, it's at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. The link always is in the description as well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all of you who uh, have left reviews. Thank you to all of you who have reached out via email. Uh, I know some of you, uh, probably are going to get a bunch of podcasts all at once. Cause for whatever reason, Spotify right now is being a pain and is not getting the new episodes. Uh, so I think, um, so if you're a listener on Spotify and you went from, Hey, he hasn't released an episode for a while to Holy crap. There's like 10 new episodes. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I've been trying to resolve it. Spotify has, it's been very frustrating. Um, but Uh, Hopefully that will be resolved here soon. Some of you also have had uh, website issues. The website is now different, Um, and those issues were pre the move over. So if you haven't checked out the new website, it's still at songwritertheory.com, but it's a whole new tool, whole new everything. Um, I think the, the last tool had a hard time with, for whatever reason, if you got one free guide and then you signed up for another free guide, it wouldn't send it to you. Uh, which has been was super frustrating. Uh, to any of you who have gone through that, I'm sorry I did I did anybody who emailed me, I did uh, email you all three of the free guides. Um, but if any of you sort of ha- had that experience and you um, you didn't ever reach out to me to say, hey, I didn't get a free guide. Uh, just letting you know the website and the email stuff, it's all changed now. Uh, so if you try again, it should work. Be sure to uh, at least worked when I tested it. Again, shoot me an email, Joseph at songwritertheory.com. If it doesn't, if you have find any website issues, please email me there um, because I, you know I'm not going to know otherwise. It certainly isn't intentional. Uh, the intent is that you can get all three of the free guides just via the email you know that uh, that's sent. Um, so if you go to the the free guides section of the website, you should be able to get all three. Uh, One of them sometimes doesn't go to your main inbox. So be sure to check your other inboxes as well. But again, if you had trouble with that before, be sure to revisit the website. It's all new. It should be able to send you all three of the guides now. I'm sorry to those of you who did go through that very frustrating uh, thing because I agree that's super frustrating, Um, but should be resolved now. I appreciate all of you for your patience with this. And also, if you pay attention on the YouTube side, you've noticed that I've been sort of video free for a little bit, just wanted to uh, explain why. And the main reason why is that I, I had my wisdom teeth out. And frankly, I was sort of out of commission for much longer than I thought I would be, had some complications with it, had like an infection thing, um, was really bad toothache that caused really bad headache. So I basically had a week and a half recovery instead of the normal like two days or so that it normally is uh, which was unexpected so it got me a little behind on the YouTube side of things um, and then I had a vacation right after that that I just got back from uh, which was already planned um, so they just happened to run into each other in a really frustrating way YouTube videos will be back uh, to at least bi-weekly very shortly here uh, but I figured I would let you all know why it was It wasn't. it wasn't something where like I just like didn't want to do it anymore and anything like that it was simply a i planned for recovery to be one thing and it was very much not that one thing uh it ended up taking much longer unfortunately um so also if you're going to get your wisdom teeth out just note it might not be make sure that they give you the i think it's antibacterial or anti-inflammatory there's a certain medicine that sometimes they give you and sometimes they don't. Make sure they actually give you the like one that's meant to preemptively prevent you from getting uh, an infection. Uh, Cause I was not given that and that's why I got an infection and it became a much longer annoying thing. Anyway, on that wonderful, wonderful note, thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of you and I will talk to you in the next one.